My aim this morning is to encourage you by providing what I believe the Scripture very clearly shows us is the foundation for womanhood and manhood, for marriage and singleness and uh, motherhood finds its ground in God's ultimate purpose in history, as does fatherhood. And I'm thankful to Pastor John Piper, who I believe is one of the most articulate pastors and theologians and scholars in, that God has given to the church to help us understand the beauty of God's plan in light of His ultimate purposes. I'm indebted to Him and to others like Him. God's Word is running very swiftly these days. It will triumph. And in the end, everyone will see it triumph. Everyone. The saved and the unsaved. But we need protection from error, from folly, from uh, the deceptions of many in the church as well as those outside the church. And we need protection from the devil, who as a roaring lion continues to seek whom he may devour. But Christ on the cross disarmed him and put him to public shame, open embarrassment, and triumphed over him. And that too will become evident God's purposes have, uh, will, will not be changed. They will not be disrailed uh, in spite of the errors of man and their raging against his anointed, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that too will become evident more and more. He, the Lord Jesus, has canceled the debts, the record of debts that stood against us with their legal demands when He nailed them to the cross. And in that is our freedom, regardless of the political or the national losses of the freedoms that we have cherished. And it's important that we not think small thoughts about God and about His purposes, both in the best that we have experienced as well as in the worst that could ever happen. I'd like to ask you to turn with me. First of all, we're going to look at several passages, and our main one will be in the book of Ephesians, but if you would turn with me to uh, Revelation Revelation chapter 13, 
And in this chapter, there is a description of the awful, dreadful power of the beast that is to come, the misery and the suffering that he will bring in the earth. And in the midst of that description about the beast, in verse 8, we read that everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb that was slain, all of those will worship the beast. But the main point here is that there is a book. It is the book of the slain Lamb before the foundation of the world, that before there ever was sin in the world, before there ever was the suffering of sin and death in the world, in eternity past, if you will. God had His mind set on the cross and what His purpose would be in bringing Jesus Christ into this world to die for His bride, the church. That in God's mind, Christ, the Son of God, would be slain. And that was His plan before He created anything. Before He created the angels, before He created the universe, before He created us. There is a book of life, and in that book are names written of those who will not succumb to the beast or to the false prophet or to the devil that God has redeemed from all eternity. Now, if you will turn back uh, to our... Uh, the letter that we'll be looking at a little this morning, but turn, first of all, to the first chapter of the book of Ephesians. And we see another verse that reveals God's ultimate purposes for history, for the world, for your life. In verse 5, it says, He predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In love He predestined before the foundation of the world. Not only was Christ slain in the mind of God, but He predestined all of those who would be joined, adopted to Christ in, throughout time and space, throughout the life of this world, of this present world. And the purpose of adopting, of predestinating his own people from among all nations of the earth, from all languages, from all religions, from every people group in the world, from the beginning of the world to the very end of the world when Christ returns again, His purpose in choosing them to be joined to His Son, Jesus Christ, was that 
they might be a testimony to the praise of the glory of His grace in its greatest expression in the death of Christ on the cross. What God is seeking to provide for us is to give us a granite-like, a steel-like understanding and foundation for our lives, for understanding what happens to us, what happens has happened in history, what the world is all about, what life is all about, what families are all about, and the church is all about, and marriage and singleness, what your manhood, if you're a man, and your womanhood, if you're a woman, what it's all about, and that its center, its focus is on the praise of the glory of the grace of God in Jesus Christ on the cross, especially in His giving Himself for His people, His bride. Now, God has given us this so that we would have a strong foundation, so that we would have a strong theology to undergird us when things seem to be falling apart all around us and in our world. Because he doesn't want you to be weak, he wants you to be strong. He doesn't want you, as John Piper said, he doesn't want wimpy women. He doesn't want wimpy men. And he's given us strong women and strong men as examples all through the history of the church and in the Bible. Hannah, the mother of Samuel, was not a weak woman. Just look at 1 Samuel chapter 2 and read her song in which she exults in the Lord her Savior and is, her strength is exalted in Him. Just look at the strength of Mary, the mother of Jesus, in Luke chapter 1 in her Magnificat in which she exalts, my soul exalts in the Lord her God. Not just because Hannah got her prayer answered for a son and not just because Mary was going to be the mother of Jesus, but because they were strong, they had a strong undergirding, a strong foundation. I didn't marry a weak woman. And in this year we will celebrate uh, 44 years of marriage. The first marriage to stay together in my family on either side for three generations. I didn't marry a weak woman. God gave us uh, three children, 11 foster children, and about a hundred other girls that lived in our home over a ten-year period. Not all at one time. We would be delirious by this point. But uh, I didn't marry a weak woman. Uh, weak, physically, vulnerable. God didn't give me a... Um, didn't give us a weak or a wimpy uh, daughter... Some of you have prayed for Juliana. God gave her 
uh, an illness two years ago that she has never been diagnosed and she continues to uh, suffer through that, but she's raising four godly children. And um, I believe they will rise up in the gates and praise her. In, in the history of the church, in the 17th century, there was another uh, young girl named Marie Durant who was put in prison for being a Protestant in France. And they said, just one little phrase will get you out of prison. I abjure. And she wrote on the wall of her prison cell, I resist and stayed there for 38 years till she was dead doing just that. She would not turn away from her faith as she understood it as a Protestant. And then um, there was Gladys Staines, the wife of Graham Staines, who's in 1999, some of you will remember that Gladys uh, heard the news that her husband Graham uh, and their two sons, 10-year-old Philip and 6-year-old Timothy, were burned alive in the back of their car in India. They had been there for over 30 years ministering to the lepers in India. And when she got that news, she said, I... She said to the newspapers, I have only one message for the people of India. I am not bitter, neither am I angry. Let us burn hatred and spread the flame of Christ's love. And then when their 13-year-old daughter at the time was asked, how do you feel about your father's murder? She says, I praise the Lord that he found my father worthy to die for him. Those are strong women. And I have no doubt that there are strong women in this church. A weak understanding of God's ultimate purpose will make you a weak woman, a weak man. It will undermine your masculinity if you're a man, your femininity if you're a woman. And that is exactly where we are in our society with our government and culture seeking 24-7 to undermine your understanding of who you are and what you are for and what you exist for. But these two passages begin to help us understand what God's ultimate purpose is. So let's turn... Uh, Now to Ephesians chapter 5 and look at just two verses, several verses. I'll I'll begin to read verse 22 through... um, Verse 27. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. 
Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So with these verses, and and there are many other verses, we understand that the ultimate purpose of God in everything is to the praise of the glory of His grace, especially in its greatest manifestation in the death of His Son on the cross for a rebellious wife for the church. I asked my grandchildren this morning, we were asking questions around a beautiful breakfast table that Juliana's husband had prepared. And uh, finally I said, okay, what is the um, last mother. The first mother is Eve. The first Adam, um, the first um, son was Adam. The first man was Adam, I think is what the question was. So what is the, who is the last mother? And the answer was Mary, who gave birth to the last man. In terms of Adam representing all mankind, Jesus Christ representing all his people, the elect for whom Christ died on the cross. Your womanhood, your manhood is at the very center of God's eternal purposes. In spite of what the world says. Genesis 1.27 says that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This comes before the fall. This is what he had in mind as he thought about the cross. That your manhood, men, and your womanhood, women, was to reveal, to show the glory of the grace of God in Christ Jesus. Because when you get, as, as, Pac, as uh, John Piper has said so wonderfully over and over again in all of his books, when you get to the glory of the grace of God in Christ Jesus, that is the goal of everything. That is the reason for the existence of every single thing in creation. And I was thinking, if you hold your uh, finger there and turn to Romans chapter 1. Verse 19 in Romans 1 says, Therefore what can be known about God is plain to them. Here he's giving us general what can be known about God in general, in the creation I was sitting with my son under, well, my grandson 
with a book and, and we were, he wanted to sit on the grass. And so I said, you know, every blade of grass, every flower, every tree, every bug, mountain, volcano, hill, valley, ocean, everything in creation reveals what Paul's about to say here. That God has shown it all these things to us through His creation, His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So we know what we know about God's eternity, His invisibility, His power through the creation. Now, if you turn to Job chapter 12, even in the Old Testament, we are told this. That we can learn these things in the creation. In, in the twelfth chapter of Job, verse 7, Job says, But ask the beasts, and they will teach you. The birds of the heavens, and they will tell you. Or the bushes of the earth, and they will teach you. And the fish of the sea will declare to you. Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? that in his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. But what is not shown about the ultimate purpose of God, he, had, he directs to the objects of his mercy. If the objects of his mercy are men and women, boys and girls in Jesus Christ, we are the ones who are to show what God's ultimate purposes are. And His ultimate purpose is to show the glory of God in Jesus Christ on the cross. That is what your manhood was created for. That is what is your, your womanhood, if you're a woman, it was made for. That is why you exist, is to declare the glory of God, to reveal it, to make it visible by your life, by your words, and to declare it to the whole earth through your prayers, through your uh, witnessing, through your giving, that the whole world might know there is a God who loved us, especially in His Son, Jesus Christ. In our passage in Ephesians chapter 5, in verse 31, Paul reveals, helps us understand what God had in mind when He made a distinction between, when He made a human being in two varieties. When He made distinctions in manhood and womanhood. Verse 31, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So he's talking about manhood, womanhood, especially in marriage, but also in singleness. This is the foundation, especially in marriage and having and multiplying and having children. Paul says in verse 32, he interprets this quote from Genesis 2.24 by saying in verse 32, this mystery is profound and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. 
So we live in a we live now in a society in the Western world which is saying marriage, God. What's it for? We can make it anything we want to. And but God's design was to reflect, to make visible and evident the relationship of Christ to his bride. That's what marriage is for. And your manhood and womanhood are right at the center of that. So are you married? Paul says, wives, this is your role. Your role is one of submission. Are are you a man? Well, this is your role. Your role is one of headship. So what is headship? It is God's appointment. It is God's design. It wasn't man's idea for a husband to take the primary duties of providing for and protecting and leading in the home. And what is what was womanhood femininity primarily for submission. It was God's design. Submission is God's design for a wife to honor and support her husband in leading and in, according to her strengths and gifts. And the distinctions that God designed in creation are, cannot be interchanged. You can't interchange them. Now, this works out differently in different marriages, but your manhood can't be switched off and you become a woman. Woman can't be switched off. Your womanhood, your femininity can't be changed. God appointed it. It's, his, it's, a, it's your calling, as Piper says. It's your holy, heavenly, divine calling to, if you're a female, He created you, He designed you, for womanhood to reflect the glory of God in Jesus Christ. And your womanhood, women, cannot... um, it, it It reveals God's grace in ways that manhood can't. In ways your married femininity, your marriage and your submission to... Uh, God's creation and design for you can't be done by a man the same way or even a single woman in marriage. It's absolutely essential. Are you single? The Apostle Paul was single. He loved his singleness. He could be thrown into jail every week, be beaten with rods which, and with stripes, and didn't have a wife at home crying her eyes out. There were things that Paul could do that, in his singleness, which was Christ-honoring, that he could never have done if he had been married. You just wouldn't have seen him. He wouldn't have been there.
And Piper gives three, and there are others, things that if you're a single woman or a single man, that your singleness, if it's Christ-honoring, Christ-exalting, God-centered, can do that those who are married can't do. Number one, testify that the family of God grows by regeneration, not propagation through sexual intercourse. It grows by regeneration through faith. Number two, godly singleness testifies that the relationships in Christ are more permanent and precious than those in families. And thirdly, God-centered, Christ-exalting singleness testifies that marriage is temporary and finally gives way in the end to the relationship it was pointing all along because Jesus said in heaven there will not be any marrying or giving in marriage. So marriage is momentary, it's temporary. My wife this year, God, by God's grace, will celebrate 44 years of marriage. We've been married longer than we were single and we're very thankful. But we know that it's not the best thing. The best thing is what it's pointing to. The only marriage that will last forever, the marriage of Christ with his bride, the church. That's what it's pointing to. So God created, if God created you a man, he gave you a, a holy calling. And in your manhood, in marriage or in singleness, it is to reflect the glory of God in Jesus Christ, especially in his death on the cross. If you're a woman, he gave you femininity and womanhood as a calling to reflect the glory of God in Christ Jesus. Especially in his sacrifice for his bride on the cross. And mainly in marriage does this relationship show the connection, the marriage of Christ with his bride. But we live in a world of sin. And so though it's not good for a man to be alone, it's not good for a woman to be alone, because of sin, God calls some to be single. And yet their manhood or their womanhood is right at the center of his purposes. I have a lady that works with me who is single and she has hundreds of children who love her. And that commitment to getting them the good news of Jesus Christ, she will never lose that family of those boys and girls who grow to love Christ, who are adopted so we, you know, no matter what comes, no matter what happens, if Christ is our all in all and we understand that the ultimate purpose of God is to the praise of His glory, that everything that happens to you, every broken relationship, every loss, every death, every sickness, 
every incapacity, and anything that happens is right at the center of God's purposes. So we don't lose hope like the rest of the world. We rejoice in Him who made us in His image to magnify and reveal and make visible with our lives the the love of God in Christ Jesus for His bride. And in that is freedom that this world will never understand.